Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 116. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD to talk everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello everyone, good to be back. Uh, exciting time for the Essendon Football Club with the National Draft last night, um, completed with the Rookie Draft uh, this afternoon. We'll go right through Everything, every detail as possible. We've got on the line our now famous draft resident, <laughs> uh, Ed Pasco. How are you going, Ed? Yeah, hey fellas, uh, thanks for the kind words. It's been a bit of a whirlwind last couple of days, and finally start to wind down. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, just an absolutely massive year, and I mean, finally, I get a year where Essendon finally have some real high picks as well. So. It's been good to see how we went. Yeah, I get that feeling you're going to uh, crash and sleep pretty well tonight. Uh, so uh... <laughs> I was going to ask that question. How busy have you been over the last week and a half, mate? Yeah, uh, plenty of vision to go over as well. But um, just especially in the last, what, two nights, I mean, we had that long night last night where I was also doing a bit of coverage for Draft Central and even today having to go back in. Like, I don't live very close to the actual office, so it is quite a bit of a trek for me, but... Nah, it's been a been a long year covering the draft. Like I haven't been able to attend any games since the start of the year, but luckily enough, I was able to see one of the players we drafted this year still. So, nah, that was pretty good. Oh, awesome! Cool. So, look, uh, w- w- hopefully, um, we can get some stability in your line because I can see you. We're talking on Zoom at the moment. Uh, yep. And we, we apologise. We apologise if there's a bit of a, a break up and if if Ed freezes a little bit, we might have to go to a quick break till we can get him back. So look, let's let's. Uh, I guess we'll just start off with generally the the top ten and how that played out. It felt like that the top seven players all were kind of all picked of what we everyone thought, but just was an un- unusual order. How did you see that um, of the picks just before Essendon started their three? Yeah, so I think there was a lot of phantom drafts going around where uh, someone had someone here and someone there, and we thought, ah, oh, yep, that's going to be the consensus pick. But, yeah, it didn't quite work out the way. But um, I think for the most part, the right players went, you know, in that top frame. And, I mean, I think the players that we did pick were always going to be, you know, the ones that were in that range. So, mm. I mean, it would have been nice to see someone like a Granger Barras or a Hollands make their way through. But, I mean, you've got to be happy still with the players that were available. No, exactly. And, um, uh, look, we'll go through each player and then we'll talk about what that kind of means for the club as well. Uh, so, Essendon's uh, first pick is Nicholas Cox. Uh, I, I guess uh, this is how I kind of see it, and I'll let you speak, Ed. Uh, was obviously 200 centimetre, uh, co-captain Melbourne Knights, uh, incredible athlete, gifted on both feet. Um, it's hard to know what his form line is, obviously, because of this year. So it, is it the expectation that um, Cox was going to come on quite stronger this year? Um, so where, where were you kind of viewing him at the start of the year about his progress? Yeah, so at the start of the year, um, before any of the practice games were put, I probably had him in that uh, probably 18 to 22 mark. But then I actually got to see him in around March and he was playing against the Elkie Chargers and he was actually matched up on your number one pick, Jamaro Hagen. And uh, he actually did a really good job on him, to be honest. He 
really kept up with him. I think there was one time where Jamara really got off and took a nice mark out in front of him, but Cox was with him the whole way. So there wasn't much Cox could have done about that when Jamara's, you know, running and jumping at the ball. He's one of the best, best at it. And that's why he's a number one pick. But I mean, once he went into the midfield, uh, Cox got to be on his own at centre back and he just patrolled it. Like he just uh, had plenty of the ball, a bit like a Darcy Moore. He just like decided, yep, I'm going to mark that. Yep, I'm going to take a bounce and kick out to the wing and hit all of my targets. So I think he was going to be in for a pretty big year. And I think uh, if they were going on some older footage and watching that game, I think that's where our recruiters would have seen that, all right, this guy's probably going to have a lot more games like this and that was probably going to push him up even higher. Can I ask uh, just uh, maybe on what that means for the Essendon Football Club? Because, look, there's no doubt there's some people going to. We've really loaded up on a lot of tools. Um, And and what's unique about each of our tools is is how mobile they are Um, like and what good athletes they are and what how good by foot they are Uh, even if you go down to Josh Eyre and and Brand um, I I, I sense with Cox it's not just it's not a given he's a defender like the Essendon may think he's a defender he he, uh, I think you've told me before that he has played some time in the wing is there is there a possibility that Essendon may see him as a, a Blixarves kind of, you know, kind of player? Yeah, it's um, interesting to see what we could do with him. Like he's a, because he's already had that experience of playing in a lot of different positions, he's not going to be like other players where we've tried to turn them into a forward or turn them into a defender. He's already played a lot of these positions. He's already used to it. So he's very adaptable. He's very coachable. He's a good leader. So, I mean, any role they want to give him, he'll probably do well. Like, I see him probably in the long term, a bit like a Justin Westhoff who Port Adelaide have used in a whole range of positions. But he may get the most value out of being a wingman because he can use that big endurance base. He can get up and down the ground, be a marking outlet for some of our kickouts at least, and um, be able to use that, you know, reading of the play to go back when required and to go forward when required as well and use that nice left, right foot and actually hitting targets inside 50. Like, I mean, that would be one of the things that I think you'd all agree that, I mean, for, for as good as Ridley is down back and he's kicking, we kind of need his kicking also inside 50 as well. So mm. having someone probably a bit closer to the inside 50, really delivering it just like a Ridley would, I think would go a long way into making even that forward line a lot more functionable and you, know, you can be a bit more... Uh, a bit more damaging than we have the last few years. And and, then, and it's fair to say too, and I, I tweeted this out, that Essendon's one of Essendon's real weaknesses uh, covering the ground was actually overhead marking, I found. I found we, besides probably a Ridley, we were actually quite a poor overhead marking team. Um, uh, and that, you know, to have that kind of draft, how it kind of played out, that you had, if you had a Cox around the wing, and if you had a a Brandon and Jones up forward, and and you had sorry, not uh, a Josh Eyre and um, Harrison Jones up forward, uh, and then you have you know um, Reed down back, it, it it does cover a lot more marking around the grounds for Essendon can, that can control the footy and have a bit more confidence in in their long kicking because uh, that's where it's been a real downfall for the club that we are we kind of been a long kicking team but it's been to Waller or it's a, it hasn't been to you know anyone of, of sort of a, a dangerous overhead marking 
That's that's my that's kind of yeah. that's yeah. quite. I think I think this draft could really add some add some strength. When they talk about his times and the the two point nine five and twenty meter sprint and the six minutes and whatever three seconds or five seconds uh, two kilometer time trial, how does that compare to uh, the drafts? Um, question without notice. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, well, it's pretty elite in most categories. I mean, uh, the 2.95, I mean, that was when they had to do these tests outdoors. So it actually gave it a bit of wind assistance. So his 2.95 is probably more likely to be, you know, a 3 or a 3.05, which is still a pretty decent score for someone who's 200 centimetres. Like Harrison Jones is pretty well known for his athleticism. He did get under that three-second mark yeah, genuinely last year for that speed. So uh, he's not too far off that mark, but... Sometimes players don't test the way they play, but um, if you actually watch Cox on the ground, he moves well. He runs with the ball. He can actually get a bit of separation when he gets the ball. He's not he's not a lumberer. He's not one that you you know you're a bit worried about when he has the ball in traffic. He's actually agile enough to you know get around an opponent, even one that's you know what 180 centimeter and quick. He can still find a way around them. So, now nah, I think his athleticism is, is pr- pr- at a really really good standard. I mean. Having that speed and endurance is massive in the modern era. Right. So I'll ask you this for all of our, so now all of our draft picks. If you were, if you were the Dons and you wanted to develop these kids and, and Cox being the first one, how would you bring him on? Like he's, he's painfully thin as is um, Reed, but how would you bring him on next year? Would you, like trying to get a bit of muscle on him, a bit of size on him in the off season. And then again, playing in the twos, doing that sort of stuff. Or do you bring him in early, put him on a wing, try and teach him some, uh, some AFL time on a wing and then maybe moving into a key position. How would you bring him on as an AFL footballer? Yeah, I wouldn't uh, put him as a key position too early on. I'd probably, yeah, keep him on the wings or the flanks, to start with. And then once he does get that size, then maybe look to him in those key position posts. But uh, in terms of playing senior football, I think you'd start him in the VFL first and just see how he goes. And, you know, depending on how we're going in the seniors, you know, look at, you know, put him for a few games here or there, either in the wing or halfback, half forward, depending on what player goes down. So that's the thing with him. He's versatile. He's got great endurance. So that endurance base will allow him to play early games. I mean, that's usually one of the reasons why young players don't get early games. Is It's not because of their size. It's more because of their endurance. They don't yeah, have the running capacity the to run out of game. So yeah. that's that's what will hold him in good stead. And that's where you can find a role for him on the wing. I mean, the likes of Cutler and Ham haven't exactly made that position their own yet. So uh, if... Any one of those two are not quite, you know, hitting the mark. I mean, he's there. He's he's there, ready to go. He's a highly rated young player. So even if he's not banging down the door in the VFL, you can get him in there. Do what Sheedy did back in the day. And, you yeah. know, if you identify a good young talent, get some senior games into them. See what they can do. You, yeah. you, you never know. They might even add a little bit more. And all of a sudden, they're finding their feet. And there you go. They're an absolute gun for the rest of their careers. Yeah, Ridley, basically. <laughs> and and, and uh, before we go on to the next one, Nicholas Cox, Cox has the, the the weird fact of his sister in 2011 being uh, the uh, next Australia's next top model winner in, in Sydney, uh, the Opera House. So she, so there's a, a weird fact. So, tell you um, what, tell you what, a few of the boys might be asking for a telephone <laughs> number. So. Um, 
So yeah, so uh, it, that's a little interesting fact. And and I was I'll just... tell you what, on the Lunchtime Catch Up podcast, you don't just get expert analysis from Ed um, at Drive Central. You get interesting little pieces of information like <laughs> that. That mean very little that's, to him. Yeah. That mean very little, but <laughs> that's the kind of stuff you get on the Lunchtime Catch Up podcast. Well done, Scotty. So look, it, it, it kind of amused me too that uh, a recent interview so it talked about because of COVID, he's, him and his dad decided to do a, like a, a gym program and he's put on eight kilos. And I'm watching the interview going, what were you before that? Like, oh, man, man. man. But it that's, must have been but, painfully thin. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, another another preseason, you know, obviously joined Essendon on a Monday. So, um, look, really, look, like, he's got such an exciting upside to him. So, and, and it's probably this, it's very similar to the next guy we're going to talk about is um, Marchie Perkins. Um, I won't say too much about Archie. I'll let you go for Ed. What, what tell him? Tell us about his journey and and what we can expect from possibly from Archie. Yeah, so uh, Perkins uh, is a very dynamic player. So uh, he played a lot of his time last year as a bottom major for Sandringham at a, as a half forward. I mean, because Sandringham, you know, they're a notoriously very strong uh, club in the NAB league. So a lot of these under 17 players, they don't get that midfield time. I mean, even you look at Oakley and Will Phillips, like you look at his size and his strength already as a 17 year old, he was always going to get some midfield time. Whereas Archie Perkins, he was a bit lighter on. I mean, it's only this year that he started to put on a bit of size and a bit of height as well that, and this would have been his full year to play midfield. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of promise that he could become a midfielder. I mean, he's that attractive size. He moves well out of traffic. So, uh, this would have been his year to find out, but um, that, that'll be a question for what we do with him next year, whether we yeah, play him in the midfield in the VFL or we play him pretty early on uh, in the AFL as a half forward type. But um, he's got the endurance to, as, as well as Cox, he's got the endurance and running capacity to play next year. So even though he's a dynamic player, he has got that endurance base to run out games, which is really important for those younger players. But um so I think Perkins, he d- definitely has a point of difference to the list. I mean, there's not many, you know, apart from someone like a Jake Stringer, who's that dynamic half forward who can go for the midfield, you know, makes things happen when he's got the ball. So he's going to twist and turn, take an overhead mark, take a player on on the mark. I mean, he's not a, he, he's a very unpredictable player. So I think he'd be a very difficult matchup for clubs in the long run. Yeah, and, and you do generally sense the way his physique has come on this year, which has been quite, um, profound because he, he he looks ready to play. I mean, it, I mean, as Taduro said, like he could easily come into the side next year, um, with his skill set, and you know, I could easily see him playing a half forward kind of role, um, next year. But and the interesting part for me is how does a club view a Perkins? Because you go, if you've recruited him, um, to be a midfielder, then what do you do? Because do, do do you actually go VFL time? Um, you know, you know when they made the decision that Langford might be, might be a midfielder in it, like after the second year, and then they kind of almost just said you're going back to the VFL, and they started grooming him on a wing and on and a, and a midfield role, and that's how he's kind of been developed. Uh, will they have that view? It's in, it'll be interesting how the truck treats that because developments is the next stage for Essendon to get really right, and and it's got to be very calculated. And you've got to go, where do we want Archie Perkins to be in two or three years? Because as much as experience is good, um, if you don't want him just to be a half forward, then what is the right play there? And 
what are you what are your thoughts Ed? how would i'm not saying how would you do it but what are your thoughts about how the club could treat this yeah uh they could treat it like melbourne have treated christian petrarca so uh they didn't really play petrarca much in the vfl to get his midfield craft right like I can't recall Petrarca in his first few years at Melbourne, you know, playing seniors, but also playing midfield time. So it's not like he True. can't develop it, you know, in a couple of years time, but I mean, you'd still want to develop it somewhat. So, you know, if you're, if you're playing really well, he's having a few down games in the seniors. It's not, not too bad to do, just bring him down into the VFL for a couple of games, get some midfield time, get his hands on the ball, because that probably would be the other reasons why, you know, you'd want to look at dropping him down. Like, he gets confidence, he gets his hands on the ball, he gets to play midfield, and then, all right, you've got another little taste, let's get you back in there. You, you're yeah, a, yeah. You know, a long-term player for us, we really like you. So uh, just giving him little snippets here and again might not be a bad thing, but um, it'll be interesting to see what we do. But uh, it all comes down to player development as well, and uh, I can't say much for it in the last couple of years at Essendon, but um, who <laughs> yep. knows? The, the, t- the tide might be turning as well. So, yeah, you know, you've true. got to wait and see. Uh, you got to, obviously, with Jerry Syracuse and Carousella and Truck, you, you've got to understand that this is a new group that's really looking after these guys. So, I'm sure, uh, you know, the way that this draft is, and I, I, I'm pretty bold in saying I really felt this was a rebuild draft. A complete rebuild. Like that was just uh, not not that the you know I'm not sort of slamming, but if, if you're a hooker or Hurley, you understand this draft that that you're likely not going to be around for success. That's just uh, that's that was the nature of this draft. This was in three four years time for the club to start shining. That's how I viewed it. Um, so Perkins for me is yeah the temptation no doubt with our forward line needing goals. You do feel like he's a guy that could come in and kick two goals pretty comfortably just by his own creation. And gee, him and Stringer uh, would be a pretty uh, exciting tandem. And, and, you know, just, you know, we've already heard, you know, I, was, I went out to training today and I'll talk about it in the next segment. But, um, like, Stringer's very lean. Like, Stringer's the leanest he's been probably at, since he's been at the club right now. So uh, he's, he's ready to go. So uh, we've got... It's hopefully it adds to an exciting forward line, and and we'll see where Harrison Jones goes and everything like that. So, but Scotty, is it is it too old fashioned of me to say that I want Archie Perkins to play a hundred? Well, if we if we want to make him a midfielder, and again, can I assume that we have got him because we want to make him a midfielder who could maybe go forward, and that's great. But am I too old fashioned to think that for a kid like that? Put him in the VFL in the middle of the ground. Leave him there. Leave him there for every single game. Now, if you want to move him around in the VFL, put him forward because you need to pinch a goal or two, then fine. But put him in the VFL in the middle. Said, kid, you're going to be a midfielder in the AFL. So we're going to teach you from round one how to be a midfielder in the AFL. And if that takes an entire season and they don't think he's ready to play AFL, then don't play him. Yeah, but when a, he's ready, it's bring him one. up, or when they think he's ready, bring him up and play him as a midfielder. Is that too old fashioned? Or because I'm just thinking, I'm listening to what Ed said about bring him in for a minute, maybe give him some time on the forward line, a little bit in the mid, and sort of move him around a little bit, get used to the AFL level, then send him back a little bit. Is it too old fashioned to say leave him in the VFL until he's ready, then bring him up to the AFL? 
Well, it depends what they think. It depends what they view his role really is. Because, uh, like, I, I can see him being a bit of a Mark McCurry that that is kind of a high half forward. You know, just that plays a lot of through the midfield, but also plays a lot through the forward line. Because if you if he's that good around goals and like a, but we we don't have enough genuine, like just he's a midfielder. That's all he is, just a midfielder. If he runs, another, if he's the ball's inside, another thing 50. I can add to to that. Sorry, um, with uh, he can also play in a wing as well. And with the modern game, what we're seeing is um, you know, like the Sam and Agolas from Geelong, they're actually in around the stoppages a lot. Yeah. maybe not at the center bounces, but around the ground, they're still there. So. Yeah. Even playing him just exclusively maybe on a wing for all year next year in the AFL, That's a that call. might be just yeah. as valuable uh, as a midfield, um, getting used to that midfield role as well. So that, that could be another option too. True, because yeah, you, okay. end, you end up around stoppages no matter what, you know. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I just I, for a guy like that who's really talented, who clearly is very talented, I just I want to know whether or not we can – and, and I think it is. I think the answer to my own question is that it's too old-fashioned to say, right, kid, we drafted you because you're going to be a boom. You're going to be a high half forward. We're going to play you as a high half forward. And if you happen to get the ball out of stoppages in and around the high half forward area, then so be it. Or, kid, we've drafted you to be a midfielder because you're going to replace Zach Merritt or whatever's going to happen, then we're going to play you there. I think you're right, Ed, in that it's, if you play him on a wing or somewhere, at least he's getting exposed to the speed of the game and he's getting exposed to uh, midfield contests and understanding how to do it from that point of view as well. So it'll be interesting to see if he's got enough talent, like you said, to be able to play or hold down a wing position um, and learn on the job. So Ed, let's go to Zach Reed. Uh, look, this was the, probably the, the call that um, you started to uh, see a slight, you know, we're not fans weren't sure if this was the right one or not. I'm more than happy with it because he was probably close to the best player presented at that time, and I'm more than happy with the call. But tell me what you first, what you thought when you heard his name read out, but then also tell me a bit about Zach Reed in general. Yeah, I've got to say I was a bit surprised after taking Cox. I've gone, oh, okay, that's the road they're going down. But again, I can't complain that, you know, Cox, Reed, Perkins, they're all in around that mark. I always thought, you know, they're worthy selections there. So as long as you're picking someone that, you know, you know, really should be around that spot, then, you know, what position they play is not as big a concern for myself. But um, with Reed, I mean, uh, from, from what I saw last year, it's just his skills for, for a big man were just incredible. Like the, the way he could just, uh, just under the most extreme pressure, real deep in defense, he just have so much confidence and poise just to, like it really did look like a 202 centimeter Ridley, to be honest, like just the, his ability to, you know, sum up which option kind of quickly dart away, like not quickly, but as in like, he's a tall player, but he can get a little bit of extra yardage with his run and his long kicking. And um, he's not too bad overhead as well. Like he, he's still got that lighter body. So he's not going to take those big contested marks yet, but he has the, he has the capacity long down the line. He reads yeah. he reads it well overhead, so he can definitely take those marks. And um, one of his last games uh, last year, he, they put him in the ruck just, you know, because one of their ruckmen went down and he had 20 possessions and uh, looked fantastic in the ruck as well. So, I mean, uh, although he does prefer to play down back, I mean, he, can, he could easily play as a forward who 
chops into the ruck as well because he's just a natural footballer. He's a smart footballer. Yeah. So he knows where to be on the ground. He So he's a nat- like that's the type of players you really want in those early picks as those tall players. The ones that you don't need to teach as much about the game because they they already understand it. It's they all it is really for Zach Reed will be improving his body size. Same with yeah. Nick Cox. It'll be their body size to work on because everything else well, for the most part, they're actually pretty well stocked. Yeah, well, I asked. I asked uh, someone around the club. I'll just say today, <laughs> and uh, the the word that I got back was he's calm, like he, he's under control, uh, and much he's quite mature for where he's at, and he doesn't panic. So he makes he sums things up very quickly, and he's calm and makes the right decision. I mean, those those three things you would say Ridley is. You know that's how you describe Ridley, right? So, I mean, what what a tandem down back <laughs> to have to have Zach Reed and Ridley coming through for for the next ten years would be, uh, yeah, it would be just a a massive thing. And uh, and that's the thing I love about this draft is that everyone can kick the footy. Like everyone, uh, it's it's yeah. Like I said, my my two biggest weaknesses I I felt Essendon had. Over ever anything, even inside an inside bull and everything like that, was my ones like overhead marking around over the ground because we kept on turning over the ball because we just didn't have people that could mark or can do contested mark. And our kicking, just our general kicking and decision making around the ground was just not in the top eight of the other what the other top eight teams are doing. Um, and that's why I really really liked this draft. Uh, I, I felt like this draft um, basically set us up. I mean, as Dodoro said, like he's kind of just said, that's it for tools. Like, yep, we went for it. Our tools, that's the decade of tools. Our next draft, we can obviously look at small forwards. We can look at small backs. We can start targeting where our needs are and midfield. Um, and it's a good draft to target that next year, sounds like. Um, but it, it seemed like a very tactical way of how he wanted to do this draft. But he wanted to make sure that it's not just tools. It's their players that can actually play even through the midfield, uh, kick the ball, come with the ball, make good decisions. Um, and Essendon has a history of sometimes drafting athletes, which is these guys are, but don't have those traits. And they go, oh, you know, he has an upside and we'll try and teach him how to, how to do the ne- next stage. But this time... We've got athletes, but athletes with IQ and no football and, and use the ball well. And, and that's the difference I found in this year's draft that's going to help the club. Mind you, you often – that's it's the case when you pick, you get picked six, seven, and eight. You're at the pointy end. You're at the pointy end. They're picked six, seven, and eight for a reason. And it's, it's, uh, it, it's really encouraging for us to get those early picks, to be able to get players. And not, not that – I mean – We've done really well with later picks, and but it's really nice to get those early picks where you know you're going to get IQ and you're going to get skill and talent. Um, and now I think that the, one of the biggest things from this trade period for me is just the development, the pressure now on the development uh, of this of these kids that we got through and the the kids that are still there now. So the the develop with Dodoro again would be looking straight at um, straight at truck now, going there you go. There you go. I got you some real serious kids. Now make them good. So it, it, the time will tell on that subject. So we go on to our two NGAs. And thanks for your time, Ed. I, I won't be too much longer. Uh, we go on to our two NGAs. Uh, I think it's pick 39, Richmond bid uh, for Josh Eyre. 
we kind of thought like if for some reason I kind of calculated the points and in my head it was around pick 36. I thought oh, if I can if I can get past that, I think we're fine. So Richmond bid, uh, thank goodness we uh, we decided to match it and Josh here comes on board. He's a very interesting one because he feels like he's probably one of the most unknown people in the draft because even in his time at Calder, Harrison Jones was more the, the prominent uh, forward at that stage. So uh, I, I detected just in our own interview with Josh here uh, last week a, a, a quite a self-confidence that this I have I have attributes that I know are going to be good for AFL and, and I feel like I can bring it. Uh, so I, I really liked his mindset. Can you tell us a little bit about Josh? Yeah, so I think Josh kind of described himself pretty well when he was with the interview with you guys. And um, he's he's one that, you know, the, the colder coaches are just absolutely, absolutely right. Like after what I'd heard, I was confident he was going to get a bid before Brandon, which he did. So um, his upside's enormous, really. Like his athleticism there, his, his marking ability, his ability to potentially play either end of the ground. I mean, that long left foot kick. I mean, I, I commented on it last night on Twitter just saying, you know, Essendon have a guarantee that they have that left-footed key forward. Like it, it seems to be a thing that Essendon need to have. And yep. uh, it's good to finally get him <laughs> through the door. And uh, it's, not, it's not just a left foot kick. He's a long left foot kick. He can kick from 50 metres quite easily. He's pretty nimble at ground level as well, which is what you really want from your modern day forwards. And with that speed that he's also got as well, I mean, the modern day key forwards, you've got to get up and down the ground. Like it's long past the big, strong uh, key forwards because you you need to be able to get up and down the ground. And I mean, Josh Air, I think he knew with his, even his comparison to Franklin, which, you know, it's a hard one to to want to compare yourself to, but in terms of, you know, being powerful and getting up and down the ground, you, you want to, that's something you want to strive for. So it's good that he's trying to do that. I mean, we hope he gets over, you know, he's had the big growth spurt, so he's had a few injury concerns. But, you know, there's absolutely no rush for Josh Air for us, I reckon. I think, you know, play him in the VFL all year, uh, play him up forward, just ease him into it. Don't, if he feels a little niggle, nah, just you're down for a little bit. And, you know, we see you as a real long-term prospect and, you know, we, we, we've got a lot of patience for, for Josh Air. Now, exactly. And, and you know, the obviously he would have loved to play footy, but, you know, you just hope just even his body just taking a break the last last sort of six months actually does him a little bit of good uh, just to his body to settle. Uh, you know, around about this time he would have – he'll probably stop kind of growing at such a rate. Uh, so his body will start to come together and, and, and be – much more coordinated and, and, and get, he can get rid of his real athleticism that he wants. So uh, it's rare for um, uh, an Essendon forward in the last decade that you feel like is uh, a, just a one-touch bang goal uh, player. So probably Stringer's the closest or Waller, but you know, when, when we've had Joe Danaher and even sometimes Stewart, and you, they're not always guarantees to go through the middle. Uh, but you feel like this guy... He, one thing that really attracts you is he does have a lot of skill. Like he, his left foot is, is a real weapon and it's a completely unknown. Uh, and, but I'll just say that the people I talk to are very, very excited. Uh, and we had no problems bidding, matching that bid, uh, with what he could bring. So it's, you know, 
uh, Josh, if you if you're listening, um, we're we're really really excited for you, mate, and uh, we'd love to. Hopefully, I can see you down at training one time, say a quick hi. But you know, yeah, we're so so excited for you and um, and bring it, mate. Yeah, you, yeah, I love your self confidence and uh, wish you all the best. So we then go on to the interesting part of the draft, which was about ninety minutes later. Uh, Cody Brand now. I'll get your. I'll get this into a two part. We go up to pick fifty, right? <laughs> we make two bids. Um, uh, Miles Rioli Jr. Uh, and is it Bald Bald Baldwin? Is it Baldwin? Brandon or? Walker. Brandon Walker. Oh, sorry, not Baldwin. Uh, Brandon Walker. Um, uh, first of all, were you happy with those bids? And then, how did you feel when we then just said pass? Yeah. <laughs> Nah, well, the Walker bit I thought was a no-brainer. I mean, he's a quick rebounding defender. Like, I mean, he's one of the closest things to you could probably get to Saad. So, okay. yeah, I mean, great athlete, great speed. Like, I mean, Fremantle would have to be, you know, like they'd be crazy not to to match a bid there as well. They probably would have expected one a bit earlier as well. But um, yeah, I, I, geez, I would have been really happy if they didn't match, but they, but they <laughs> did. But um, and then uh, Rioli Junior. I mean, uh. I mean, they bid on air, so we're going to bid on Rioli. We like him. So, I mean, I, I thought that made complete sense. I think everyone's gone, uh, yep, yep, that makes sense. And, um, of course, they were going to match that bid as well. So, and, and then us passing, I think that was just, you know, uh, we don't expect to use this pick. And, uh, oh, maybe we think Brand's going to yeah, go on to the rookie draft. But um, uh, uh, he did get a bid, which I, uh, honestly he really should have gotten a bid. I mean, around that point, I mean, I thought he was too good a prospect to make it all the way to the rookie draft, but uh, it didn't cost that much. So it's all good in the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the key part is as long as he's into the club. Uh, and Dodoro basically just said, you know, no matter what, we just could not have a talent like that not and me not matching it. Like he just, I just had to match it because you just, you can't just throw away uh, a talent like that. Uh, so. So it ended up obviously being a very, yeah, like I said, a, a very four out of five kind of a, a tall draft. I think Josh is the smallest at 196 centimetres. Um, so it, I know that's brand. Brand is brand, the smallest one, one at 196. So, yeah. so yeah, Jair is 198. 198, so. 198. And um, actually Reed said today that he was 203 now. So I don't know. But uh, um, so yeah, He'd be close. He'd be, you know. That's insane. Touch and go for 202, 203. So. No, Archie Perkins is is um one ninety. That's that we will just claim it. Just say it. <laughs> Archie Perkins yeah, well, is one ninety. Well, he is still growing though. Like he's gotten to one ninety eight, but he is still growing. So th- yeah. there's no there's no reason why he can't get to one ninety. I, I mean, I think he Patrick said Chris was one ninety when he that. was drafted. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like he's a kid. What is he? Nineteen or something? He's still 18. growing. Absolutely, he's going to yeah. get well past one ninety. So yeah, he's so um look. So I guess just to wrap up. Ed, how did you then feel? Like the draft is done uh, and, and we'll go quickly just on to the rookie, but it wasn't really controversial. We just, we kind of did what we promised we'll do. We brought back Gleason and Clark. Um, so they're now on the rookie list. As an overall package, how do you, how do you feel we went? No, I think it was pretty good. I mean, every single player was picked around, you know, the spot they'd go. I mean, uh, Josh Air probably got a bid right around his range and Brand just a little bit after what should have been his range. So, I mean, uh, at, at, 
not just as a Essen supporter, but as someone who follows the draft, I mean, they're good selections. I mean, they're good players. They've got a lot of upside. Like every single pick there has the capacity to be elite players of the competition. So uh, there's no safe, there's not as much they're not safe picks, but um, you know, they're going to, they're going to be some very, very good players. I reckon like it would, it would take some, you know, some unfortunate injury or something along those lines that would not have these guys be, you know, Great long-term best twenty-two SNM players. Yeah, that's how it felt to me. It felt like we didn't. It wasn't really a risky draft for us. We we went with uh, solid, well-known, regarded by everyone who was doing Phantom drafts players. Like it was just, yep, you know. Um, even you know, you talk to Cal Tumi or whatever. No, it was a good draft. These are good players. These are solid players. They've got a lot of upside. They're going to do a lot of good for Essendon Football Club. I think. I think. The general consensus today was that Essendon did well. Like it, it's like they they did a, a good, sensible, mature job. It was definitely a long term view. So I think fans have to get their head around that we're not talking now the next twelve twenty four months. Uh, you know about you know a massive uptick in you know a top five kind of form. Um, we could surprise. Trust me, I'm more, more for it. But uh, there does sense to me that this draft said that the club's going a long-term view, and I think it was the right view. I, I, I The more I thought about it, they went, you know, this is the right call. Um, we've got the new new assistant coaches in, new, new coach. Uh, one thing I do like, this is personally me, Head, I don't know what you would think about this, with that, Cox on a on a wing kind of situation and and maybe a um, a Perkins on another wing or in the midfield or a half forward uh, with a, a Josh Air forward and Harrison Jones and uh, a Zachary down back. Uh, it, it it was the first time I was talking to Neil, who goes to training with me. All you guys on Bomber Blitz knows Knackers, and we were talking and and I said it was the first time I saw our list and saw a brand and identity that we could look at. Like it was a, a contested ball winning, marking, controlling the footy kind of setup. Like it was like a, it was a clear list that I saw. We could do something that not many other teams could do. If these 200 centimeter guys uh, come on and there's, and there's five or six of them across the ground, athletic and running fast and kicking the ball well, it's going to be our own unique weapon uh, that other clubs uh, won't have. Uh, that's that's just my how I thought of it. How can we turn it into a positive? This draft actually could be a positive by having our own style of football and our own kind of unique uh, strengths that clubs will really envy. That's how I viewed it. I don't know. I think Ed's frozen. Oh, no, he's back. Here he is. I don't know if you heard that, Ed, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, frozen again. Look, he was he was captured yeah, sorry, by the or inspiring. Summary. Internet was cutting out. <laughs> That's cool. Mate, um, score out of ten. Score out of ten. I know we're not going to know until five years from now whether or not it's any good as a draft. But on the players available in the positions that are available, Essendon's overall draft night. How did you see it? Score out of ten. I mean. Uh- for a Essendon perspective, I'd say probably, you know, 10 out of 10. You've got players that, you know, they're, they're the ones you want. They're the ones that are around in that area. I mean, for me, like, I've got players that I consider, you know, 
better players overall than the ones that we take and just as a draft viewer more than an Essendon viewer. But I mean, in terms of picking things for you long down the line, I think it's a great draft. Absolutely. Okay. And, 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 That's just, excellent. and just before we close, it is good to mention um, the next year's draft and how that may shape. Just give us a quick 30 second how do you view the next draft and the, the strength of it and where its strength lies in what area of the ground for, for, for Essendon to almost do a part two of the rebuild? <laughs> yeah, well, you can tell why we didn't want to give rid of that uh, future first rounder for Josh Dunkley. Uh, that first round is full of absolute stars. Some really, really good players. I mean, there's a player I have ranked at number seven, uh, Arlo Draper, who... Uh, no, no relation to Sam, but uh, is from the same uh, local club. Um, he's he's like Archie Perkins, but better. So, and he's at number seven right there at the moment. Like that's without him having to play another year. So, it's great for midfielders, especially midfielders of size as well. So, some it's good inside mid, some good outside midfielders. Uh, the tools are a bit harder to rate right now because there's no Zach Reed or Nick Cox playing their under-17 year this year because mm. there was no yeah. Napoli getting played. So it's really hard to get a gauge on tools in the under-16s year because, I mean, the tools at under-16s are a bit, you know, it's a bit hard to say. It's but hard um, to say. Yep. So this is even a strong draft even without factoring in how those key position players develop. So, so not only is it going to be a really good draft in the top 10, it's going to be a very deep and strong draft. So as many picks as possible is what I'd be wanting in next year's draft. Alrighty, mate. Uh, thank you so, so, so much. Uh, we've taken way too much of your time. Enjoy the rest of the night. Have Mate, before, have, we, before we go, Scotty, sorry to interrupt. Where can they find you, Ed? Thanks for your – yeah, I always forget that. Thanks. Where well, can people uh, find you? Well, so most of my writing goes up on uh, AFL Draft Central. Uh, that's where a lot of my articles get done for them. But um, just for any just normal draft conversations, they just find me on my Twitter. Just search Ed Pascoe and you should be able to find me there. I mean, I'm sure uh, Scott will, will link a few of my things. So if you're, if you're yep. following Scott, you're going to see a lot of my stuff. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm always, I'm always up for a question. So if you've got anything to fire away, whether it be about the players just drafted or for this year or even, you know, the Davy Twins or you want to know about – some of the future and prospects as well. I mean, I've got you covered. Beautiful. Beautiful, mate. Uh, thank you so much. Have a great rest. <laughs> uh, you've done an awesome job for the, you know, obviously for the whole year. It's obviously a 10-month role to get to this point, so I fully recognise that, but you've done spectacularly well in, sp- in particular the last couple of weeks and in, in the information that you've brought, especially to this show. You've been a, I mean, you're, you're a big friend of the show now, so uh, we can't thank you enough for how you've contributed to us. And um, and it's more than my my pleasure to keep promoting AFL Draft Central stuff and, and encouraging people to go through because the, the content is brilliant. Yep. Yeah, just just uh, just a bit more on Draft Central. I think you would have noticed there was a few on Fox Footies uh, on their uh, thing that they actually had our draft guide in their hands having a look through it. So, uh, yeah, we're starting to get a bit of traction on that draft guide. So, um, yeah, just keep keep on the socials there. And, and, again, thanks for having me on these last few times. Like, I've had a really good time just chatting about the draft with you guys and especially Essen as well, being an Essen supporter. But yep. uh, uh, looking forward to next year if we can have a chat again. Oh, mate. Absolutely, mate. Wait. We'll make that happen. All right. Thanks so much, Ed. Uh, we'll uh, continue after the break.
Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Um, brilliant to have it, Ed Pascoe on. Um, again, the, what, what that man doesn't know about drafts, you don't need to know. Um, like he said, the uh, the draft guys literally had his his guide in their hands um, as they were doing their job. So to get him on the podcast is just great. You're hearing it from, basically, I mean, he's an expert at what he does. Um, his analysis on the kids uh, that, that are coming through not just this year, but like next year as well. He, like you said, if, if you want to, if you want to have a chat on the bombers or drafts, give him a um, hit him up on Twitter because he's like, you said, he's more than happy to talk to you about the Davy twins or anybody you'd uh, you'd like. And uh, we're really lucky to have him on the show. So again, massive thank you to Ed. Uh, now, Scotty, we've got a sponsor. We do. We do. We have a sponsor that looks after our dinky little podcast. Um, that sponsor is speaking finance. <laughs> I thought I'd get that in there for you. So the Speaking Finance. Um, the guys and girls down at Speaking Finance are finance and mortgage brokers. Gurus. Um, if you, gurus, yeah, that's right. Um, finance uh, finance uh, and mortgage broking gurus. If you need anything in the way of finance, um, maybe you want to refinance your mortgage. Uh, maybe you want to, like I said, I keep saying this, maybe you're a trader or something. You want to get some new plant. Um, I've been looking around at a brand new car. I've been heading into a few Subaru dealerships over the last couple of weekends. Um, got myself an interest rate. Got myself some information from those guys. Um, my phone call tomorrow is going to be down to the guys at uh, Speaking Finance <laughs> to see what they can do for me um, on the uh, the finance front. So I'll let everybody know how that goes. But look, if you want to, if you've got some questions or you're ready to uh, to refinance. Um, or get some finance for for a purchase coming up. Have a chat to the guys and girls down at Speaking Finance. You can get hold of them on their Facebook page. Um, they respond pretty quickly to the Facebook page, or you can get hold of them on speakingfinance.com.au. Um, give them a call. Tell them the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast sent you, um, and uh, uh, you'll have a great time talking to those boys and girls. Exactly. If, if you're one of the new draftees and getting a bit of a splash this year, uh, then <laughs> and, you, and you need to get a car to get to the hangar, then uh, these are the guys to call up. Mate, uh, I didn't think of that. That's a real good idea. Um, to any of the boys that we just drafted, Josh, mate, if you're listening, um, head down, give the boys the speaking finance a call. Tell them Grant and Scott <laughs> sent you. Um, that won't mean anything, but no, just kidding. Uh, just tell them this Grant and Scott sent you. Tell them you've just been drafted uh, to the AFL Football Club. They will do you a deal you won't believe. So <laughs> go down and have a chat to those boys. Yeah, Steve's a, Steve's a very good man at speaking finance. So, yeah, yep. con- contact him through the, the Facebook site. That seems to be the best way, and you'll get a, an immediate response. So yep. thank you to Speaking Finance for their support through the whole year, actually. They've been awesome. So Yeah, absolutely. Now, just to wrap things up on the show, uh, I went to training today. So I went to see the yes. boys. Uh, yes, yes. Train now. How weird! How weird is this, right? The first training that. Sorry to interrupt, mate. Um, the uh, the first training. I sent Scotty a message. Go, mate. We should get down to a training. We should get down to the hangar, even if we've got to stand on bloody Tullamarine Freeway with some binoculars or something, um, so that we can see in. Um, it it'd be great to go down there. And now I didn't expect Scott to ring me and go uh, to message me and go, yeah, right. I'm going tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't didn't mean tomorrow. I meant sort of sometime. <laughs> and the one day I decide to go back into the office. And I couldn't go with Scotty. So Scotty went down there by himself. How was it, mate? Yeah, it was uh, Neil Neil joined me. Uh, yeah, it was really good. Look, uh, it, it, I wish this was more exciting, um, but it actually was quite a low-key <laughs> training day. So it was kind of like very basic drills. Um, it was kind of – it was almost like a, a touch of a warm-up kind of training session. So – I'm not going to say, you know, there was any match simulation and they did this and did this. So it wasn't too much to report on that front. 
What is interesting is uh, Lachlan Johnson still still in the modified group, so he's still he's looking a lot better. He was doing laps, but it does still feel like there's a couple of weeks off still till he can sort of do full training. Yep. Uh, Waller came back for the first time today, looking really good. Happy gave us a nice friendly wave. Um, um, so that was nice. Uh, wished him all the best. So he, that made him a big smile. Um, but he was looking good, just doing some laps, just entering his first day of training today. So, well, I never know that because you never know who's in the gym during the whole last. Yeah, that's true. Um, but he, I, first time we've seen him on the ground, I'll say that. So he, he was looking great. Uh, uh, who else was there? Peter Wright turned up today, um, joined the boys. So, TM, what is it? 2MT is he's now 2MP. known. I think uh, Neil Neil has dubbed him 2MT moving. Uh, no, 2MP. 2MP, yes. Yeah, sorry. 2MP. Sounds like a radio station. Peter Peter. Yes. Um, nice work, Neil. Uh, that's a Sydney radio station. Sounds like, isn't no, 2MP. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so he, he was looking really good. Um, he actually did a, an interesting marking drill with uh, Ridley. Um now, Ridley beat him nine out of ten times, I will say. Did he? <laughs> yes. So, Ridley's looking really, really good. Uh, Ridley's actually bulked up quite a bit, so he's got a bit more okay. shoulders about him this this time. So, um, yeah, that's a scary thought. Uh, so, but, but one thing you do know is Wright's in ripping condition, does move well, has one of the best techniques of a kick you've ever want to see in your life. Peter Wright. Um, yeah, yeah. Just a gorgeous kick of a footy. Um, so he's definitely skillful. Um, who else did I, who did I take notice of? Oh, Michael Hurley. Uh, he's, he's, he's an interesting one. He was to my eyes in the best shape I've ever, ever seen him since he's been at the club. Well, like, um, leaner and all sorts of good stuff. Well, actually, no, he's, he's upper shoulders and arms was by far the strongest I've ever seen him. Like he was like a Greek god. It was really bizarre. I was like, we all took, we all kind of got taken back. Me a little like, like, whoa, okay. Um, but like lean around the stomach. So it's not, it wasn't kind of like a big, you know, Rene King bulk, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was just very defined in the arms are very, very strong. But you could tell fit strong. Um, uh, so... I don't know what happened there, but uh, he's serious. Well, I do. He picked up some heavy things and he put them back down again and he did that several times. He's got something to prove. I mean, he did have a, a moments this year where where for some reason he kept on getting – well, not kept on getting, but he got beaten a few times one-on-one unexpectedly. So maybe he just looked at that vision and thought, I've just got to get a bit stronger in my one-on-one yeah, that's contest. A, that's enough of that, yeah. Um, Ambrose looked good, um, obviously. Uh, Francis? Francis was fine. Like, uh, looks looks fit, raring to go. Uh, I, I thought Langford looked really, really good. Um, I think he's going to come on leaps and bounds again. Uh, McGrath. It was interesting just to, to know who the leaders were. Like, I was just taking note, and it and it surprised me how much Ridley was quite spoken uh, with the group. So it was. It felt like a a pitch well, like everywhere, Langford. everywhere, sort of Ridley, or mostly just down back. No, well, they didn't have match simulation, so just whatever drill they did as a group. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, he talked a lot uh, with Pidge and Langford, so it felt like those three were kind of the unquote leaders of that under twenty four group. Uh, yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, uh, who else did I really like? Um, oh, what's the? I just forgot his name for a second. That the small blonde forward. Um, 
Shane Crawford look like? Uh, oh man, come on, Grant. Cahill, uh, Ned Cahill. Um, Ned Cahill. Oof, wow. So he's he's yep. following every step. He's following every step Pidge does, uh, which is McGrath, by the way. If you don't know, yeah, Pidge McGrath. Um, yep. He's basically being mentored by McGrath, and he's wherever McGrath goes, he goes. Uh, okay, and he looks yeah. So he's really taken on board a whole lot, and he looks in really good nick. So. Uh, he's just a, he's a small little smoky, I would say, for that Fantasia role. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so look, Nick Hine looks really, really good. Um, geez, he looks ridiculously quick. fit, doesn't he? Yeah, he's really, really quick. Yeah. Um, he looks really, really happy. Um, uh, so I think he's really happy with the position. He wants to. He's always want. He wants to play half back, and St Kilda didn't do that. They wanted him to get goals, yeah. and so I think just the fact he's now got back to the club that he he really likes. He really likes Essendon, um, but even playing the role that he likes, like that's the sad role. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a bit of like I'm excited about my footy uh, about him. The players were joking a lot with Jaron Syracuse, which was really good. Like there's obviously got an instant. And, and G has got that kind of reputation. He won assistant of the year last year and was, the players loved him. So there's obviously something about him that brings out. G doesn't sort of um, strike me as a fire and brimstone kind of coach. He, he sort very, of seems like he would be very calm. Very play management. Very collected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was always a good vibe. A lot of smiles. Um, it looked, Loud voice from truck. Loud it was, voice. It, was, oh, it was an intense training session, to be honest. It, okay. It felt like. It felt like they're due for an intense training session or they just had one the previous day or something like okay. that. Yep. So it just felt like that in-between session just to make sure they're on the field. They just did a few marking drills and nothing over, you know. Yeah, the, keep their eye in. So, yeah, it's not, you know, I'll be going hopefully to training a couple of more times to more than that simulation one. So I'm hoping I can give you yeah. a bit more of a, a feel for that. And obviously the draftees start on Monday, so that would be a lot. Will be a lot of eyes on that, and you know we may for for one of the times try and get Neil on the show when he's yep. seen quite a few match simulations just to get his thoughts. Uh, but look, for all for all and purposes, uh, it was good. The 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 actual hangers looking great. Like that's 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 they're they're well on getting close. Yeah, I'm looking to forward that. to seeing that. Um, so it looks it's quite a big quite a big building they got going now. So all in all. Um, like I, th- I think it's really been an exciting week. Uh, I know people uh, have sent me a few notes on Gleason and, and Clark and and why we rookied them. Uh, look, uh, I have I don't have too much of an issue with it. Uh, I think Clark's still got a bit to offer, and I think it adds good depth. Um, and, depth, that's what it is. And and you know I, I'm liking that we kept our we told the guys that if they didn't get picked up, we would rookie them. So I'm kind of glad that we kept to our promise as well, you know, so, yep. you know, it's something it's just, uh, I want the club to be reliable and it's messaging and everything else. So I'm, I'm glad they've come back and look, and one thing I will say is about sort of team harmony. You couldn't get two more popular guys in the group. Mm. Like Clark is really, really popular with the younger group. Like he's a very, very popular so there's going to be a lot of happy young guys on on that he's staying on for another year and being with the group. That's so right. there's something to say to Team Harmony. Like there is something to oh, say. That's geez, every every major successful sporting team in the world has had to have a level of harm, like Team Harmony, and working together at a single focus. So if you get you get guys like Clarkie and um, 
and that back and the players love having them there, then great. They're, they're very capable um, footballers. Oh, they, if Marty gets back to his old form, then, yeah, he's more than capable. Just absolutely more than capable. And like you said, we, we get some injuries, heaven forbid, knock on wood, all that stuff. Um, then Marty Gleeson walks in without a problem for me. Like maybe maybe Marty's lost a step, maybe. But, I mean, Dylan Clark, I still think he deserves a go. I think he's got some talent. So I have no problems with chucking those two AFL-ready footballers on our rookie list. No, no, I, I must admit I'm similar. So, so yeah, it's that's that's kind of the – it feels like the all the Essendon business is now done. I mean, we do have an AGM and a board members to be approved, but I'm not going to talk about that this episode, but that's, nah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind it. of the last thing uh, to happen for the year. But as far as playing wise, um, uh, it's been a long year. It's December 10th and we've just now talked about the national draft. Yeah. So it's been a long, long year. Uh, so um, we, we hopefully have a very special show coming soon. Uh, and, and I'm just trying to confirm that. Um, so hopefully that comes in the next one or two weeks, but I'm not going to over-promote it because uh, I just want to make sure it's actually going to happen. <laughs> Guys and girls, this is a massive guest. Massive <laughs> guest. We've gone we've gone off a bit sort of half-cocked in the past, um, and uh, <clears throat> James heard, but um, we've gone a bit off sort of half-cocked in the past, <laughs> so we're not saying it. We're not saying the name, but if we can pull this name off, currently it's a yes. Currently we have a yes. But that can change at any moment. Big name. I'll just say that. Big name. Uh, Scotty has been feverishly working the phones, just schmoozing, kissing babies, doing the whole nine yards. And he has almost got us what would be probably our biggest guest, do you reckon? Oh, I mean, uh, yeah. Besides Calthorpe, that would be our biggest. (laughs) Calthorpe. (laughs) We haven't had Calthorpe on the show. (laughs) Yeah, we have. Have we? No, we haven't. No, okay. I just haven't had on the show. Mate, my, my, I mean, apart from we had Xavier on the show, for goodness sake, with Simon Madden. Now, Simon Madden, that's a massive name. Um, but yeah, just a little tease for you there. Massive, uh, massive name, hopefully being announced very soon. Yeah, so uh, that's about it. There's not much to, uh, else to say. I feel like, um, is there anything else that's happened in the club? Yes. Oh, no, mate. Look, there's something else happened at, um, at uh, the Lunchtime Catch Up podcast, and that's our Patreons. Yes. Um, we've got a couple of new Patreons. Don't Thanks. sound so excited about our Patreons, Scotty. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, it's, yes, we do. <laughs> yeah, hell. Actually, um, Jack all... Hitchcock. Uh, wait for my phone to decide to want to work. Um, Wayne Hitchcock. Um, no relation. Uh, Wayne Fenton. That would be Wayne Fenton and Jack Hitchcock, actually. Jeez, I'm on fire tonight. Um, Wayne Fenton, Jack Hitchcock, Chris Sheehan, Phil. What a cool name. Just Phil. Who are you? I'm just Phil. Uh, Lucimus is back again. Now, here's, here's one I will get wrong. I bet you a million times. K-A-U-S-H-A-L. Kaushal. Yes, okay. Kaushal? Kaushal. Kaushal Amin. Cool name. Cool Let name. me know if I got it right or wrong. And then I reckon top five for weirdest and good names to have as Patreon members. Just Birdman. Birdman. Love it. It's a weird kind of arrangement, but I like it. David Anderton, Anderton, David Anderton, not Anderson, Anderton. Uh, Manny, good old Manny. I, I picture him being um, Mexican. Um, <laughs> <Really>? Josh, <laughs> Josh, Adam Brown, 
Jack McNamara, Dean Collatus, um, Sammy, Peter Begonis, and the list goes on. So a massive thank you to our new Patreons um, for, for joining us. We really appreciate the, the community we're building over there on Patreon. So thanks very much to those guys and girls. Yep. So thanks, everyone. Look, really exciting week. Uh, I'm really looking forward to where the club goes from here. It's 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 uh, The challenge has firmly been put onto the development group and the coaches to now next take this group to to ultimate success because that's no what, pressure. That's no pressure. So uh, we've got the spine to end all spines drafted. Uh, I mean, that's what I mean. You had, Scott, you had Sammy, or oh, I almost said it. You had Sammy Draper. Sammy, Yay! Sammy. I almost <laughs> said it. Hey. Yeah, you had Sammy Draper to that uh, spine. Uh, that is some serious tall units right there. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. We've got, we could easily in four years, people could talk about our tall stocks as being like one of the best of all time. So yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I love it. So now we just got to now we just got to develop them, develop yeah. them properly. Whatever you're going to do, leave them in the twos, develop them there. If not, bring them up, show them a little bit about what AFL is, and do it there. But mate, oh geez, I hope we do it right. And it looks like Sammy Draper is wearing the number two this year, so he's taking Tom Bell Chambers' number. So. Homage, so, a nice um, little homage. Hey, uh, when you when you get this um, on iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud and all the different places, we don't say this very much because. It's not sort of a high priority for it. But if you're listening to us, if you like the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast, give us a like, give us a comment. Um, helps us out with the the podcast and uh, where we appear in the yes, ratings. Name out a bit, stuff. Yeah. So we, don't, we don't say this very often, but smash the like button, give us a comment or something along those lines for the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast. Thanks, guys. Have a great night and we'll talk soon. Bye, guys. And for those of you that think right now that this is another break, actually, no, this is the end music.